The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Live from Winnipeg, it's Talk is Jericho. Well, isn't that special? <laughs> Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's time for the most anticipated Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you from uh, sunny Hawaii. Uh, hey, you know what you call a dog that's underwater? A subwoofer. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ah, wow. That's a stinker. Duff even told me it's going to be a stinker, but he's called it in from Hawaii, enjoying a little fun in the sun. He's got a house out there, the life of a uh, rock and roll superstar. Thank you, Duff. And we got a lot more fun on the show today. Jamie Burwood and Thomas Cena from the SNL Hall of Fame podcast are here, and we're doing our top 10 picks for the SNL Cast Members Hall of Fame. We each made a top 10 list, and we're going to run it down. We could pick any cast member from the show's nearly 50-year history. That's so crazy. Well, some of them overlapped, some were surprising too. I'll tell you this, my number one pick did not even make Jamie or Thomas's top 10 at all. It's insane. Uh, we'll run down our list. We'll talk about why we picked that person and slotted them in the position we did. We remember sketches and funny catchphrases, share some history and trivia about the show in general. We talk about the few times that WWE and SNL collaborated. We'll even hear my personal story about the time I was almost, almost the uh, guest host Saturday Night Live. I'm not going to tell you who picked these cast members where they rank, but I will say that Will Ferrell, Eddie Murphy, Dana Carvey, Kristen Wiig, Adam Sandler, Kate McKinnon, and John Belushi all included. So our top 10 cast member picks for the SNL Hall of Fame is coming up. And don't forget to go check out the SNL Hall of Fame podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's very cool. And don't forget what Chris Jericho's Rockin' Wrestling Ranger at Sea, the Four Leaf Clover. February 2nd is the big day. We set sail in just about two weeks with an amazing lineup of talent, and the ship will be the only place you can see Jericho Hausen versus the Guns. The only place to see the inaugural crowning of the Jericho Cruise Oceanic Championship. So much great AEW talent will be out there as well. The Lucha Brothers, Ray Phoenix, Penta, El Cero, Mierdo, Jade Cargill, Swerve Strickland, the entire Jericho Appreciation Society, the acclaimed Wardlow, Mark Henry, so many more. It is going to be jam-packed. Quiet riots there. Fozzie's playing three shows. Talk is Jericho live Four different talk is Jericho's. We're going to our own private island for the first time ever in Great Stirrup K. Still some cabins left, so book yours now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. You still have a chance, a last-minute treat to go on the vacation of a lifetime. All right, it's time for the top 10 cast members for the SNL Hall of Fame 
right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm just a caveman. I fell in some ice and later got thawed out by some of your scientists. Your world frightens and confuses me. Sometimes the honking horns of your traffic make me want to get out of my BMW and run off into the hills or whatever. All right, so we're here with, uh, with Jamie and, and Thomas, and Jamie and I have met before when Jamie did the Tragically Hip podcast, which we uh, uh, got together for probably six years ago or so. Yeah. Do you still have the hip podcast? It's funny you ask because I'm rebooting it with a different spin. I've taken two people who have never heard of the Tragically Hip, and I'm taking them through the discography one record at a time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because that's yeah. the thing when, when you have such a, a strictly um, blinders on podcast, all you can talk about is the hip. And when the hip doesn't exist anymore, I'm sure you kind of run out of things to talk about after a while. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, and in between time, you have started a new podcast. You reached out to me. We've been talking for a while about doing this. It is the, uh, the, the Silent Live Hall of Fame podcast. And uh, kind of discuss what the concept of the podcast is and how did you and Thomas get started on this? Thomas, do you want to take it? Uh, yeah, sure. So, well, I don't know. It's Jamie's baby. Right? I mean, he's the okay, poor sure. Michaels, I guess, of the SNL <laughs> Hall of Fame. So <laughs> go for it, Jamie. It's just one of those things that Hall of Fames have always bothered me. I think that, you know, the criteria for them is really up in the air and it's challenging. And I look at Saturday Night Live the way I look at a bunch of different things. And I, I thought that it could use a, a Hall of Fame. I thought that there is probably a thousand people who have, maybe more, who have taken part in in writing, hosting, being a musical guest, or being a cast member on the show. There's like 150 cast members at least. And some of them are, are great. And some of them are elevated above that greatness. And I think that those people, you know, that upper, upper echelon, the Hall of Famers, if you will, deserved a Hall of Fame. And so, I mean, that's literally where it came from. So so does each episode uh, entail a, a different cast member that you think is in the Hall of Fame? Is that kind of how you do it? So basically the way it rolls out is we nominate 30 or, or so nominees and each episode is one of those either cast members, hosts, musical guests, or writers gotcha and they're featured it, it's like an interview with an expert on that person oh cool they then go into detail about why that person should be in the hall of fame and that's sort of the homework and then when the voting comes around when it comes time to actually vote on it you've got this body of work that you can listen to and go oh yeah tom hanks you know i haven't really thought about him as a host for a long time because he hasn't been on in a long time that's good though i, I like kind of the dichotomy with the cast members and then the hosts and the bands so that's all really cool stuff because we were just we're, today we're going to do our own SNL Hall of Fame of just the cast members, but uh, I think we could take a couple segues here and there and talk about some of the hosts and some of the the, the musical guests as well. Now, have have both you guys seen pretty much every episode of SNL? Is that one of kind of the uh, the criteria to be able to do this <laughs> podcast? Because it'd be pretty hard to do that. I think uh, that would be damn near impossible. I mean, of course, since 1975, but but. I've enjoyed researching and I've, I've like going back to see episodes that I haven't seen, refreshing myself. I would say, gosh, if I had to ballpark it, I've probably seen like 
75% of the episodes, 80% of the episodes. So it's been a real thrill to just go back and watch and don't have to watch all of them. I wouldn't expect anybody to have gone back to watch every single episode. Well, and that's the thing too. Like, I think uh, there's a few things about SNL because it's been around for so long and I'll just get this in here too. Cause I don't know when we'll get a chance to say this again. There's such a connection and a similarity with SNL and WWF. WWF meaning not, not WWF, but WWF when Vince McMahon took it over. He's obviously the counterpart to Lorne Michaels. And also the fact that they've built this kind of pulp culture entity that's worldwidely famous, that's all very much hinging on the cast who becomes big stars. And when they become big stars, they go elsewhere. And then you have to build other big stars. And some years, there's a great cast of characters, a great roster. Other years, it's a little bit thin, a little bit skimpy. But the constant, at least until six months ago, although now he's back, was Vince and Lorne, who also are in charge of everything. And they can cancel things at the last minute, add things at the last minute. And it doesn't matter how popular you are to the world. If Lorne or Vince doesn't like you, you won't get that push. So there really is a lot of similarities there between the two. Wow, I hadn't considered it. That yeah, way. it's true, that, right? That's bang. That's bang on. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's it's interesting that you you put it like that, Chris, because I was kind of telling Jamie earlier, and I, whenever I talk about SNL to anybody in general, I, I really equate it to sports entertainment. So I watch SNL like sports. The SNL is the, the the team, and then you have, like you said, the rotating cast of players. So even if there's, you know, a team has a bad season, SNL has bad seasons sometimes. Right. But we follow this, the team every year to see what's going to come next, see the, the the new cast members or or players. So it's funny that you that you put it that way, because that's exactly how me and a bunch of SNL geeks, Jamie, all of us, it's exactly how we watch <laughs> SNL is like sports, like sports entertainment. Yeah. And once again, the, the revolving cast of stars and then the fact that the constant of, of Vince and Lauren. But um, we're talking about SNL here. We're talking about uh, the Hall of Fame and we have a top 10 list. Uh, I think we've both come up with it. All three of us have come up with kind of our, our top 10 guys and characters and girls, uh, the cast members. Let's just say we're not going with characters per se. We're going with overall cast members and their uh, contributions to the show, correct? Yes. Okay. So I think we should just start. We'll, we'll go with the top 10, and then when other little side segues and stories come up, we'll, we'll go with it. And I will say this. I was one, one last thing I was going to say before we get into it is, is SNL, like we mentioned, is such a long-running show, and people have gotten into it, gotten out of it, gotten into it again. It's almost like being like a Kiss fan or, or something like that. Like sometimes, you know what I mean? Like I got out during the elder years, but I came back in during crazy nights. And I think that most of us, at least most of the people that I know that are into SNL, had the biggest connection with the cast that was there when you were in high school. Big time. Yes. That seems to be kind of the perfect time to watch SNL. Like before you can really go out to the bar or something. I remember always getting together with my friends and girls would come over and you would just watch Saturday Night Live. Yep. And that was kind of the the rite of passage. Was it the same for you guys? Absolutely. Monday mornings, you looked forward to like getting off the bus and being the first one to throw out the newest catchphrase yeah. or to use it in a in a funny situation. Yeah. And what what year what years were you guys in high school? 
I was 89 to 93. And I was 96 to 2000. So you're right. Like the Will Ferrell years, I was that was I was prime high school age for that. And then once I got to college, my viewing of SNL kind of did dip. You know, I was doing whatever college kids do, <laughs> going out on Saturdays, maybe watching it here and there. Yeah. And then once I got more established afterwards, then I got back into it. And my uh, timeline is a little bit earlier, which would be probably 85 to around 89, 90. You know, that that area. I graduated in 88. It wasn't a five-year high schooler. But I remember there was still a lot of buzz because, as we'll get into, the 89, 90 seasons were very, very great. There was a lot of great performers there. And, and they had a really good run for a very, very, very long time there. So why don't we just jump into it? Why don't we start with number 10? Are we doing this in order? Let's do it in order. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do it in order. We'll start from 10 on down. I love this stuff. I've done it with Stephen King novels. We did it with Tarantino movies. So now we're going to do it with SNL cast members uh, with their overall influence. So uh, why don't you start, Jamie? Who do you got at number 10? I have, you know, this further cements your theory about the high school years because I've got three people from my high school years on my top 10 list. And the first one is at number 10 and it's Jen hooks. Nice. Who was on for five seasons from 86 to 91. She's probably one of my first like high school crushes, crushes. on TV. Like <laughs> yes. there was something about her that was very sexy. She was funny as all hell, very versatile. I, I loved the Sweeney sister character any impressions that she got a chance to do, she lit up the screen. I thought she was just fantastic. So she's my number 10. You know, it's funny. I didn't do an honorable mention, but if, but at one point I had her as, well, she'd be an honorable mention. You really nailed it. There's a couple things about Jan, because I've read quite a lot of the books. And I don't know if you, if you guys have been listening to uh, Spade and, and Carvey's uh, yeah. podcast. Is it Fly on the Wall? Yeah, Fly on the Wall. It's so good. And everybody loved Jan Hook. She's got a, a great reputation. Obviously, she uh, she's not with us anymore. She passed away years ago. But if there's a distinction of possibly the hottest SNL female ever. <laughs> I agree with you. She was always, I always had a big crush on her. I'd always had a crush on Pamela Stevenson and Victoria it was Victoria with the high uh, Victoria Jackson, but something about Jan, she was just very, uh, very sexy and very funny Yeah, and never really had, like you mentioned the Sweeney sisters, which were ring, ring, ring goes the trolley, bang, 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 yeah, goes the bell. Right. <laughs> but she never really had like the breakout, you know, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, or like some kind that's of really right. crazy, you know, uh, Molly, uh, superstar, whatever those types of things. But she was always solid, almost like a female Phil Hartman in a lot of ways, like anything she was in, she was great in, even though she didn't really have that character that you can make a movie about. Absolutely agree. All right. So good. Yeah, Jan's in there. So what do you think, Thomas? Who's your number 10? Yeah, Jan would be in my honorable mention uh, for sure for a lot of those reasons. Uh, I actually have kind of a cop out. I'm not going to spend too much time, but I have a tie for 10th. I want to give both of these people some shine. Uh, Vanessa Bear. Wow. Is, is one of them. She was on the, in the cast from, yeah, 2010 to 2017. And honestly, this is a combo of like my favorites and just the cast members who have stood out when I've spent all this time researching as an Ellen going back and Vanessa did get overshadowed oh, yeah. in her time as the cast. Yeah, for sure. Like she was in the cast with Kate McKinnon, uh, Sue Dacus and like a bunch of heavy hitters. Great call. But she, yeah, I think she's maybe the most underrated performer in SNL history. It's like, I didn't even know who she was until I Google her. And as soon as you see her, yeah. wasn't she like drunk college girl? 
Did you want to see what I can do? Yeah. Yeah. And she was also like, she had these the Totinos, a series of, of sketches right. that were just brilliant. She had weekend update characters that were awesome. So I think Vanessa Bear needs to get more love amongst the SNL community and, and uh, viewers at large. And also Will Forte. He was the king of the weird. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And that's kind of that humor's right up my alley. I think the show is struggling in the post Will Ferrell era, but Will Forte always was a breath of fresh air for me when he was on screen. And he was just very weird sensibilities. I love Will Forte. So those two are my tied for 10, Vanessa Bear and Will Forte. Will Forte, my uh, co-host in MacGruber, of course, one of the all-time yes. greatest characters in SNL history, which brings me to a great Lauren Michaels story. Um, so I did I did the movie, and at the time when they, they had a couple of WWE guys in it, and I said, I'll only do it if I get some lines. I'm not doing it if you just want me to be a background guy, like I, get somebody else. And they said, no, you get some lines. So I had a couple lines. And when we were shooting it, I was like, okay, Will is a groundling. I'm a groundling, honorary groundling. I'm never official groundling, but I, I had the honorary groundling status after being performing with them dozens of times. And I said, I'm just going to do improv. So if you watch that scene of McGroover, the first two lines were what I was supposed to say. And then I just went off in about another six or seven lines and we'll follow <laughs> it, you know? So, and, and I just, uh, what are they going to do? The worst they're going to say is no, but they liked it and they kept it in there. You know, I can't remember what it was. Somebody, the, you know, the dick jokes are so funny. That's why I say them. That's why I hear them. That's why I listen or whatever we said back and forth. And it was really great. And so we had a little bit of a connection and Will was super cool. And it was funny. So when I had met Lauren earlier in the day, dude, he sounds exactly like Dr. Evil. <laughs> and you always heard that Mike Myers based Dr. Evil and Lauren Michaels voice. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hello, Chris, how are you today? Or whatever it was. Like, I can't do it really well. But I was saying that to Will. I was like, dude, he sounds exactly <laughs> like Lauren Michaels. And Will's like, he's giving me like the stop, like the cut it sign, like stop, stop. I'm like, oh, he's so funny. He sounds just like Dr. Evil. And he's pointing at my chest and I've got the microphone on. Oh, <laughs> Mike's always hot. And Mike's always hot. And Lauren is at Video Village, which is where they watch. And so he takes the batteries out. He goes, you can't say that, man. Like, Lauren hates that. He denies it till the cows come home that he, he sounds nothing like he hates it. And I was like, oh, no. He goes, if he heard you say it, he'd be really mad. I was like, oh, thanks for oh, the my getting, you know, tip. So I go outside and someone goes, Lauren wants to talk to you. And I'm like. He heard me. I'm getting fired. I'm getting thrown off the movie. And I walk over there and he's like, hey, Hank, Hank Rass. I can't, I can't even do it. But he basically he goes, hey, hey, he's like, uh, I want to tell you something. I'm like, OK, here's here's where I get my things. So he goes, that was a really funny scene. He goes, you're really funny. And I was like, thanks, Lord. Like he didn't hear me do the Dr. Evil. Wow. But he gave me the compliment of like, you're Oof. you're funny, which led to one last little thing. There was a short period of time when we had WrestleMania in New York City that Vince and Lauren, who are friends, Vince was trying to get one of our guys on as the host of SNL. And he was pitching me because I was really hot at the time. I had just done McGruber. And I'm not saying it was ever considered, but there was a point where I was told, keep your next week free because they might need you from Monday to Saturday to go to New York for what? to host SNL. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm not saying anything other than I know for at one point, at least there was a, well, put them on hold and let's see what we can do. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you how close you ever came to hosting SNL. So yeah, that's awesome. That is legit. Number one. Number two was I actually went and watched Will after the movie came out because we were friends for a while and I was going to be on what's up with that. 
Yes. You know, they have oh, the, the, yes. Here's, you know, here's like Lindsey Buckingham, you know, Isaac from the Love Boat and Chris Jericho. You just sit there and don't say anything. <laughs> yeah. But fucking Lorne canceled the sketch. Oh. oh typical Lorne. Bastard. <laughs> uh, and there was one other time that I had some kind of a talk one time when Rock was on. There was a little bit of a, So there's three times I can close, but the one time, and I, I'm not making this up. This is not a, a wrestling exaggeration. Uh, John Laurinaitis has told me, keep next Monday to Saturday off because there's talk of you hosting Saturday Live. And I was like, wow. So, I think it would have been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would have been fun. So you never know. Maybe one of these <laughs> days. Um, my number 10 is also another super underrated performer, Sherry O'Terry. Ah, oh. and I think one of the reasons why people don't talk about her is she really didn't do anything after she, she kind of disappeared. And I don't know if she just does stand up now or whatever the reason, but she was great. Uh, you watch her do the Simadan now, Simadan now, and, the, and, 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 and the, the, she was one of the cheerleaders with Will Forte. Like she always had something cool going on. I was always a huge fan of hers. And so is Mick Foley, by the way. A little trivia for you there. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, she sunk into characters so well. Love Sherry O'Terry. Yeah. That, Simma Down Now. <laughs> Who sang Hot Stuff? Donna Summer. Say it backwards. Summer Down Now. Summer Down Now. <laughs> Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. I watch this show every day of my life, sir. I just, I think it's the best show on the air ever that has been. It's weird how good it is. It's so strange. <laughs> In fact, I brought some of my scores for the last five years that I thought you would be interested in perusing, you know. March of 81 was particularly a good month for me. I seem to be on fire with knowledge. <laughs> also, sir, I'm a tremendous fan of the host of Wheel of Fortune, Mr. Pat Sajak, I must say. Over the years, I've sent him over 40 letters of encouragement. Number nine. Uh, I'll take number nine. We'll go in reverse a different order. This is one of my all-time favorite SNL characters. The only reason I don't rate him higher is because he was only on for one season. It's the uh, legendary Martin Short yeah. who uh, came on in the Ebersol years when Dick came in, when Lauren was gone, and decided to make SNL more of a uh, – he wanted to make it like a sports franchise. So he hired a bunch of free agents, high-priced free agents, which, of course, were Christopher Guest, Harry Shearer, Billy Crystal, and, uh, and Martin Short. I think Martin Short with uh, Jackie Rogers Jr. and Ed Grimley and just uh, Lawrence, <laughs> Lawrence, the slow guy, uh, the synchronized swimmer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great stuff from Martin. But then uh, the next year, him and Shearer quit halfway through the season. And Short and, uh, and Christopher Guest said, this is way too much work. We're out of here. So that was the end of Martin Short, but I would definitely give him a uh, number nine for me. How about you, Tom? You know, I actually have uh, sitting right next to me nice. Martin Shorts. Yeah, I must say <laughs> that's what his autobiography is called. So I had to go grab that. I just finished reading it. He has a lot of cool SNL stories. Just a fascinating guy. Yeah. Loved the Dick Ebersol era, too. So I'm glad you gave love to him. For uh, sure. My number nine is Kate McKinnon. Oh, nice. She just left the show. She was on 2012 to 2022. We were talking about Sherry O'Terry sinking into characters. Same with Kate McKinnon. She always sunk into a character. There was a time where people would tune in just to see what Kate was going to do that week. And that's how you know you made it on SNL when you're, she was the draw 
on SNL Absolutely. for a few years time. She became the breakout star. Yeah. Which once again, as a woman has only been done a few times before Gilda Radner and exactly. her and, and, and one other that is on my list. And, so, yeah. and she had to follow Kristen Wiig yeah. too, who we might get to, but that was a tough follow and she lived up to it. Big time. I almost feel like to go the sports route, her rookie season, like I remember thinking she's going to be big. Right. She's going to be big. Like it's just out of the gate. You knew that this was somebody special. Yeah. And you could tell. And then she was. For yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, the fact that she was the focus of the show. And I remember the one one season, but there was a couple of episodes. One one episode in particular was like, she's in every sketch. Like she's all they've got right now. And Lauren knows it. So he's just and it's not like she's overexposed. She's great in everything. So yeah. Good call on that one. I got my number nine, and my number nine is somebody from the original cast. 1977 to 1980 is Bill Murray. Nice. It's so tough to, because it, that feels really low to give him because he's just so a part of the fabric at this point. But I had to rank the way I had to rank and he ended up number nine. I think he's hilarious. I think the stuff that he did on the show was really great. He had a ton of pressure joining the show, replacing Chevy Chase. Right. The first breakout of the show. How, how long was Murray in the cast? It was a very short time, wasn't it? It was four seasons. It was four seasons. Okay. For some reason, yeah. Chevy only did one season, right? That's right. Gotcha. That's right. Gotcha. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's the thing. I think once again, the longer we go, because what are we, are they at 50 years now with SNL? They're getting close. Coming up on 50. Yeah. 75, right? 74. So mm-hmm. the, the further you get away from the original casting characters, the, the less you forget, but it's actually very timely that you just said that because my number eight is also a tie, but I have a reason for it is John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Ah. I find they were such the, the energy of that show. Bill was great, but he's kind of the goofy, like he's kind of the, the avant-garde comedian. Gilda's awesome. She's very funny, but I find that Dan and Belushi, you know, whether it's the wild and crazy guys. And I know, I know, Belushi wasn't that, but Dan was, or the the Bumblebee or the Samurai. But to me, the stars of the first five years of SNL, and I also think it's one of the reasons why SNL was given the option to continue was the Blues Brothers. I still think that is the greatest SNL movie of all time. And that might be another podcast we might want to do in the future, the top 10 (laughs) SNL movies. But to me, I, I watch it at least once a year. It still holds up. It's got everything, and those two guys are just fucking great, and they're perfect. And I don't think, I don't think the movie division of SNL would have maybe lasted if 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 Blues Brothers wasn't a monster hit. Because if it came out first with like you know Stewart saves Christmas or whatever the hell it was, or you know it's just Pat, they might not have ever been gave another chance to do a movie. I'm going with uh, with Belushi and Aykroyd. Nice. And I'll segue into that because my eight and seven were Ackroyd and Belushi. Oh, nice. So that fits too, right? <laughs> honestly, yeah. And the splitting hairs, I think you probably did the right thing by by giving him a tie, honestly. And with Ackroyd, we kind of SNL geeks use the term blue guy to describe just a person uh, uh, who can hold together a sketch no matter what. They're not, they don't always have to be the star of a sketch, but they just sort of, they're that glue that just yeah. holds everything together. And I think Ackroyd was maybe the original glue guy and there were great ones that followed but that's what i think about first when i think about Ackroyd. and he was also the greatest pitch man in snl history too he's motor mouth he could just go all day he was awesome and belushi to me was the original star he was the first star breakout star yeah 
breakout star because I mean Chevy was kind of the breakout, but I think Belushi was the real star of the original cast. Well, the thing the thing is too, if you you know you look at the at the time that it was, it very much the cocaine fueled seventies, and we know this for from John yes uh, early demise, but. Talking with fourteen, and like I mentioned, like I was, it's actually a great picture of me, fourteen Sudeikis, walking down the streets of New York with the uh, WWE Tag Team Championships. I gave them; they were walking. <laughs> out. But um, Will would say, like, dude, like you guys, like we know, but you don't really know. Like it's fucking six days a week, like eighteen hour days. He said, like my office, there's a little blanket on the floor on a pillow. That's where I sleep half the time because, like, we, you know, there's no time to go home. The cocaine-fueled 70s, Belushi's got that crazy energy. And it's very much Farley and it's very much a little bit less subdued John Candy, which is sad because those guys are all gone. But they you can just see, like, you can tell. Like, did they do cocaine in the 70s on SNL? Yes. Watch any episode where John Belushi's in it. And you can see it. And it's it's brilliant. But there's only so much you can go, right? There's a reason why they only do, like, three shows at a time. And then they have to take a break. Yeah. There's a great John Belushi with a, the superhero party. And he comes out of the bathroom. And he's the Hulk. Yeah. And someone's like, it's not supposed yes. to smell like roses, you know? <laughs> uh, what you got there, uh, Jamie? I've got for my number seven, or I guess my number eight rather, is Gilda Radner. Oh, nice. She would be my counterpoint to Belushi as a as a breakout. She was just somebody that everybody inside the show and outside the show had nothing but great things to say about her. You know, with all the infighting and crazy stuff that was going on, she sort of was above it. Yeah. Her characters were some of the first, you know, recognizable characters on Weekend Update. And She's really funny. <laughs> Here's my favorite thing about Gilda. Like everyone knows Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, because the name is so great. Yeah. But what can anyone like imitate what she did? I don't remember what she did. I just remember she was Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. And she said it like Roseanne, Rosanna Dana. But what was the gimmick of Roseanne, Rosanna Dana? It was a take on a new, an actual newscaster oh, at yeah, the time so, yeah. in New York City, I think, who had who had a similar cadence and whatnot. And of course, Gilda did it her way, and she was just so charming and lovable. And the hair, the big hair, yes. The Egyptian hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great choice, Jamie. Yeah, it is a great choice. And I think it's another uh, example of somebody, because she passed away so early on, I think she passed away in 81 or 82 or something. But I know she was kind of one of the first casualties, uh, not casualties of the show, but one of the first kind of big stars to pass away from SNL, um, which kind of people forget about. Yeah, she, oh, oh, she died years later, so she died in 89. Oh, okay, yeah. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. I'd like to once again remind our contestants that there are proper bathroom facilities located in the studio. We've got a real barn burner on our hands. In the lead, we have Kathy Lee Gifford, a first-time player. Hey, who you pluck all in a player, G? G? What's that mean, Grandpa? <laughs> Is that what G stands for? Frank, you got a new nickname. It's G. <laughs> And you have negative $22,400. All right, so we move over to number seven. I'll jump in there. Uh, I'm going Will Ferrell. Nice. And if we added up some box office here, 
I'm just looking at my other guys. He's probably, at least on my box office, probably number two of the top 10 as far as box office stars. Maybe number three, but probably number two. And he's done so well in playing the exact same character in every movie that he's been in. <laughs> but people love Will Ferrell. To this day, we had to watch this movie. I don't know if you guys saw the Christmas movie, Spirit, uh, Spirited, that they just came out on Netflix for Christmas. I haven't seen it. I haven't watched it's, it. Not, uh, it's not great, but we watch it because my wife is like, well, Will Ferrell's in it. We got to watch it. And he's great, and it's just the movie's not that great. But I think he was so good on the show, and he really was the best SNL characters. They connect with you as just every man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And as we know, he takes his shirt off in every movie. He's kind of chunky guy and not like a leading man looking great looking guy, but he's just, he just makes you smile. And with his George Bush playing with the, the yarn, like a dumb cat and like, you know, the, the cheerleader and the, the piano guy with Anna Gasteyer, like whatever he did, mm-hmm. he's a leading man on SNL, but he's also a glue guy too. Everything he does is, is great. Yeah. I love him again. Same type of thing. It was, what was it, season 20 was his first year? 21, yeah. Season 21? Wow. Yeah, 95. So I remember I had just left my first year of university, and I think his first sketch that he did was the shed sketch that he did in his audition, which is like, get off the shed, you know, like where he's just the, (laughs) Yes. it's like Chris said, it's like, it's the prototypical feral character where he's got that, just that simmering rage that is just underneath this affable, funny kind of everyman. And then he just explodes. And I remember seeing it and just thinking, this is great. We're in good hands. He also has such kind of like, we talked about the avant-garde. He has a lot of that Bill Murray type humor where like, they'll just be like, duck, 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 show. And then they have like some dog and the, the dog, the dog stuff's not even funny. You're just waiting for him to say dog show. And then of course the classic don't fear the reaper gene, the cowboy. I mean, that's the, that yeah. could be, you know, if we were going to do the top 10 sketches, that's gotta be in there. It's gotta be. I would think in, in terms of recognizable for sure. And funny. And, and what are you thinking when you wrote it? Like, okay, um, man, I just heard fear the reaper on the way to the, to the office today. And there's like this nonstop cowboy. What if we have Farrell stick his gut out and just play cowbell really funny? All right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, they knew it would work. It's not, yeah, it's not even a sketch, but they knew because they had Will involved, it would work. And it's turned out to be one of the greats of all time. Yeah. I have seven, again, going back to my high school years, seven seasons. Uh, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey was a superstar before we, like before our eyes. It happened before our eyes because there was that season, that terrible season that Lauren took over, the very first one which is all over the place. And then the next season they came back and it was wonderful. It was a seven person cast and he was great at everything he did. Yeah. Real funny. Were you going to say something, Thomas, about Farrell? Are you going to add in there? Oh, I was going to say that that in a few minutes I was going to, I was planning on cutting a good promo about my love for Will Farrell. So (laughs) you want to save it? Okay. A little tease. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We go to number six now. And and as we start getting down to these finals, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of similar ones. So if you feel like jumping into the convo, you want to wait till you're on, that's fine. Number six is if Farrell's not number three in box office, or sorry, Phil's not number two. My number six is, is, and that'd be Adam Sandler. Breakout star of all breakout stars. Once again, you forget if you weren't around in 93, 94, 95, just how massive Adam Sandler was from SNL. This might even be before he started making movies. Like he was so huge. And also too, they had such great chemistry 
with Farley and Spade and Schneider and all those guys were just, you could tell they were just bros just hanging out and getting, Hey, I'm going to do a lunch lady sketch. Oh, that's great. Let's do it. Or like his uh, Hanukkah song. He really focused on the fact he was a, a Jewish, you know, Leonard Nimoy, half Jewish, <laughs> you know, I mean, all that stuff was, 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 was so great. But, but to me, he had the charm. He probably was banging all the chicks because he's not like a good looking guy, but he's just kind of like this. Oh, what a cute guy. And he's so funny. Come on over, Adam. He had that vibe. And also, too, great, uh, great chemistry with Farley, the O'Hurley boy. Anything he did was, uh, and then think about him like Opera Man, Cajun Man, uh, Halloween Man. Like he had so many great characters. Like, oh, I'm crazy, Pinhead. I got a pen coming out of my head. Give me some candy. <laughs> like, you just like, you just love it. He was so good at SNL and they did a great bit too. When Michael Jordan was going to retire, they did like a, we are the world type thing. If you guys remember that. And like, yes, Farley yes. was meatloaf and like Mike Myers and the other cat were like the pretenders. <laughs> Adam Sandler's Eddie Vedder. And yeah. to this day, I can't hear even flow without hearing Adam Sandler. So again, don't go like it's, that's what you hear. Like he, he was such a great, great character. And then also to his movies, for the most part, are very, very funny. Yeah, he was a huge impact on teenage me. Were you were you guys in the demographic for his CDs? Yes. Did you ever listen to his CDs? I wore those out, and I knew every sketch, every track <laughs> on those CDs. The goat, the principal, all of the, you know, the mom with the, they're all going to laugh at you. They're like, all going like, to laugh at you. I wore all, all those CDs. So he had he had such an impact on me. They said, did you superimpose? I said, what the what does superimpose mean? I'm a goat. <laughs> <laughs> to, I know, to this day, I think of that fat shit Gerputo. <laughs> we just oh god my cousin todd will will talk about Gerputo and then and, and fatty mcgee <laughs> yes. hi guys he he oh fatty you're the fattest <laughs> oh my gosh that they're all gonna laugh at you cd i've listened to that thing from beginning to end probably 50 times so great yes and great call like the, the, when who puts out comedies the comedy album is kind of a dead form of of, of commerce of media at this point but sandler was the last one that i bought I think I bought all of them. They started getting worse as it went along, but that uh, they're all going to laugh at you is great. Or like, you know, why don't you take out that big fat dick and stroke it for your mama? Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> my friends and I would, would quote it out of, out of the vicinity of our parents. We would quote the hell out of those. Here's your lunch. It's peanut butter sandwich. we got some melon slices. Why don't you pull out that fat hog for your mama? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> all right, Jamie. I've got, uh, this is where Kate McKinnon, so I don't want to oh. go um, too more in detail than Thomas. I just think she's great. Her rookie year, I, it was all there. She didn't have much to put together. It was fully formed. Well, and once again, if you look and said, okay, name legit. Is there 10 legit breakout stars from SNL? There might be a few more. There might be a few less, but Kate McKinnon is one of them. Yeah, for sure. She became an A-lister basically while she was still on the show. If TV still worked the same way as it did in the 90s, like she would have had a sitcom for sure. Oh, yeah. But it's just we don't make those sitcoms anymore, you know? And she probably doesn't want one at this point in time. He'd rather have a Netflix streaming series or the hell it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, number five. Why don't you do double duty there, Jamie? Who do you got at number five? All right, I have – I struggled to, to – and this person, they flip-flop back and forth many times, but it's Kirsten Wig. Ah. And, and again, what it came down to to me – 
was her Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> like <laughs> the first time I saw her do Nancy Pelosi, her eyes, I remember watching it with my wife and just being like, would you look at this woman? Like she's just, <laughs> she hasn't blinked in like three minutes. <laughs> she was just radically talented, threw herself into everything. She was somebody else that was doing heavy lifting. She was in five, six sketches an episode. Yes. She got that very special send off. That was very cool. Did she ever have, and I'm sure she does, but did she ever have like a, a really popular reoccurring character? Yeah, she's got quite a few. Target Lady would be one. Oh, she's Target Lady. That's right. I thought it was Sherry, but it was, she was Target Lady. Yeah. Yeah. She did like Gilly, Penelope, Dunice, the one with the little weird hands. <laughs> the mutant. Uh, the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. The big forehead and the, <laughs> yeah, the, and the, the little, little baby hands. hands. <laughs> the baby hands. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll do number five for me. Uh, probably the ultimate glue guy, uh, Phil Hartman. Yeah, it's funny. We did a watch along of Jingle All the Way just a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, Phil Harmon's got to be top ten of all time. And the three other guys I did it with, like, no, 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 it's top five for sure. And while what I did my my little list here, he he made top five because he, I think he probably had, gosh, almost ten seasons or so. I don't know the exact uh, uh, details of that, but everything he did was rock solid and whether he was the star whether he was in the background you need someone to play reagan he'll do it it was it called unfrozen caveman lawyer who oh used God. his Absolutely. yeah i don't understand these black boxes but damn it if they can talk to me <laughs> i can't believe it you know it's like you know <laughs> so good at that the the, the anal retentive chef yes Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what anal retentive meant when I was a kid. Like, what does that even no, mean? No, me neither. Just take everything and put it like into a little shell and put a little bag and then put it in another little bag and then put it in the little <laughs> wastebasket with a little We got to discard it. of this refuse yeah. right now and put double aluminum foil on it. And yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So good, man. Like, everything he did was just amazing. And like, yeah. just a guy that everything he did on, on, on SNL was, was, was amazing. <laughs> the other one I always loved, it's kind of a... A little no one. I'm going to butcher it totally, but he he's like the old school actor from the 40s. Oh, yes, yes, What do yes. they say about my performance? They say you're terrible. <laughs> they say you're brutal. They say you're the worst thing that's ever on the screen. What's the word on the street? <laughs> yes, give, give it, it to me. me. Give, give it to me straight. That's me it. Straight. Yeah, yeah. The people are rioting. The people say you're terrible. The people hate you. What's the word on the street? Like, he's just so, like, it's just, I think it was probably a 10 to 1 sketch. It was just a throwaway. That was a groundling sketch. Was it really? John Lovitz and uh, Phil Hartman brought that from the, from the groundlings which is so funny in when i perform with the groundlings and to this day it's on melrose in los angeles the name of the theater is the phil hartman theater oh that's so cool i did the cooking with gas probably a dozen times cooking with gas was uh i can't remember it was it was like uh guys that weren't quite there yet alumni and guests mindy sterling and and, and michael hitchcock they kept bringing me back and I, just a little uh, groundlings trivia they always told me it's, it's the Phil Hartman theater holds 99 people. They said, if you crush it, you just crushed it in front of 99 people. If you bomb, you just bombed in front of 99 people. So don't worry about it. Like, it's not a big deal. Just go up there and, and, and just have fun. But Phil Hartman, just one of the all time greats. And, uh, Absolutely. to this day, anything that I see him in makes me, uh, makes me laugh. He was my number four. Oh, Okay. Kristen Wiig was my number five, and he was my number four. So I'll just repeat everything you just said. That, that, was, that was great. Who do you got a four, Thomas? 
Phil Hartman was my number three. Okay. So um, we I talked about glue guys. I mean, Phil Hartman was to me the like prototypical yeah. kind of glue guy. I mean, you mentioned too his unfrozen caveman lawyer. He did a great Ed McMahon, Frank Sinatra, <laughs> right. his Bill Clinton. So yes, yes, his Clint- Bill Clinton when he walked into the McDonald's, McDonald's. You need those fries. That was one of the best <laughs> sketches, and and Phil Hartman was formative as far as my comedy palettes and instincts i was a weird kid who teenager even 12 years old whose favorite snl guy was phil hartman that's kind of weird for a kid to gravitate toward phil hartman's sensibilities but he was like my guy <laughs> from that era remember remember phil hartman's sinatra was great time oh, with O'Connor. what's with the bald broad oh, yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely so hartman was my number three my number five was actually bill Hader. oh okay to me, he was built for sketch comedy. Like, if I was to go in a lab and build a sketch performer, it might come out as Bill Hader. Yes. Honestly, like, he could execute the weird, clever, slapstick, anything you need from Bill Hader. He could do that. Impressions. Impressions. He, his Al Pacino, James Carville. James Carville. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw this, Chris, the Greg the Alien. It was a game time sketches. So the whole premise was it was a sports call-in show and the callers and Greg was the co-host, but he was clearly an alien, but they were trying to hide the fact that he was an alien. And all the callers would say, so you want to talk about the Jets? And then he would say, well, no, I want to talk about Greg's obviously an alien. So I want to know, do you come in peace or should we be worried about it? And and just Bill Hader's mannerisms were just out of this world man bill Hader, my number five and a guy who's probably been in like 200 movies and and some of them for like 30 seconds but you know the cop is super bad mm-hmm. oh, right. a black and white scientist in uh the pineapple express like he's in all those movies and sometimes it's for like three minutes but it's always great stuff mm-hmm. uh one last thing i just want to say about uh about phil hartman is uh i was just kind of googling some of his stuff one of the all-time greatest running going sketches was Tonto Frankenstein. Yes. <laughs> yes. And Tarzan. And John Lovitz. <laughs> yeah. And Kevin Nealon. Uh, Kevin oh. Nealon, John Lovitz, and, and, and Phil Hartman. And, and and all three of them couldn't speak English. So they were just kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's like Frankenstein, Tonto, Tarzan, sing, sing Wish You Makers, laughing the whole time. Hartman's laughing. He's like, you know, fire bad. Fire bad. Yes. He's like falling down. That's exactly it's what like, I was thinking. Yeah. So good, man. Such good stuff. That was a great year. I think that was 88, which was my high school graduation year, but good stuff there. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Simmer down now. Excuse me? Everybody want to return something, so just simmer down now. I wasn't even getting excited. Simmer down now! What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. Simmer! Uh, we move on to number four. I'm not going to change it. Might be a little bit. Uh, might be a little bit low for you guys, but I'm going with Eddie Murphy, oh. who is the highest box office. Yes, uh, <laughs> and, and probably to this day still the biggest star to ever come from SNL. Can we agree with that? Yeah, during his time on SNL for sure. I'm talking overall. Yeah, yeah, overall. Yeah, he might be. Who's the biggest 
star that's like the most kind of mysterious and the biggest and people talk about him. And I mean, he's so great. So great. And he's just, what is he? 21, 22 years old. He's just a kid. Yeah. He's barely like, they must've been going, Oh my gosh. Like we better get this guy in every sketch. Cause he's gone like in a year. Yeah. But he has like James Brown, the, the, the James Brown celebrity hot tub, which was amazing. Hot tub. Ow. Full of water. Gonna make you wet. <laughs> Everybody th- in my school said that. Really? Oh, yeah. This was probably grade nine or grade eight. You're so spoiled. Totally. And everyone, of course, the Mr. Robbins' neighborhood and G- Gumby and Alfalfa, or sorry, uh, Buckwheat sings the hits. Oh, yes. Dude, yes. So great. Uh, remember when he played the white guy? Yes, on the bus. Yeah. And, and uh, was it white like me? It's a sketch. That's right. White he, like uh, me. He, go, he goes. What a fantastic he, sketch. And of course, he talks like a total dirty white man. Hello, I would like to buy <laughs> this newspaper. And the guy's like, just take it. What? Just take it. Just take it. Uh, with another. A very, very uh, great performer who's not a top 10 or maybe even top 20, but was always great. It was James Belushi in those years. Yeah. yeah. All, always funny. He was underrated. He was. James Belushi was, he was good on the yeah, show. I agree. He was. I, I just, not to get off the Eddie trip, but I just went and watched. I, I told you, Jamie, that there's, a, if you go to archive.com, you can find some of those great episodes. And I found uh, Ed Asner and the Kinks uh, with James Belushi's all over that thing. And then Christopher Reeves and Santana. Is another one. It's all James Belushi. He's everywhere. Christopher Reeves and Santana. But uh, Eddie also, like we said, big, biggest star probably ever uh, in SNL history. It was a big deal when he came back to host it. The biggest of deals. You're right. Yeah. Oh, huge. And it lived up to it. Love that. Ep- that was super fun. What a fun episode. Yeah. The Gumby. You did a Gumby. You did the, remember the, the weird uh, pumpkin carving or something like that? Where it was just like the, it was the cake. The cake. Was, yeah. yeah. It was like a bake off or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I think that was right before the pandemic, I believe. And then I remember around that time, there was all these rumors that Eddie was going to go back on tour and do stand up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, think about that. Eddie Murphy, it, it, we all, at least as when I was a kid, 12, 13, everybody had Eddie Murphy raw. Yeah. Eddie Murphy delirious, talk about comedy albums. And this guy was over the top. Like there was no rules. You know, there was gays that I can't even use the words that he said and bad words for girls and guys and blacks and whites. And, I think if he's going to go back on tour, he's going to go back on tour like Chappelle. Like, you can't cancel me because he can't go back and not be Eddie Murphy. Like he was so like, oh my gosh, you can't say that. Even in 1983, you can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching either Raw or Delirious. I forget which one with my best friend in probably grade eight, uh, like on VHS. And we were literally as close to the TV as you could be because we had it turned down so low so my parents wouldn't hear it. Right. We weren't even watching the performance. We were literally just listening to this thing and dying laughing, like just absolutely dying. There's literally quotes from that that we used to say in my junior high school. If I said it right now on this stream, you'd be like, Chris, you got to edit that out. Like everybody, if you've, if you've listened to it, you know what I'm talking about. But the, Absolutely, just yeah. how it was back then, you just say say those things. And it was like, everything he did is just so crazy over the top. Yeah, You know, Mr. T saying he's going to fuck somebody up the ass, like all that sort of stuff, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, Eddie, uh, in the SNL world, one of the all-time greats on the show. And definitely, in my opinion, the, the biggest star that ever came out of SNL to this day. 
I'm so curious what your top three is going to be now if he's number four. Yeah, that's a heavy hitter. I got a little bit of a different top three than most. Yeah. Because I go what I like best and what I still like best when I watch. So Mm -hmm. who you got for number four, Jamie? I've. Uh, I had Phil Hartman for number four. Mine are all repeats at this point, so I can just sort of duck in because my number four was Phil Hartman, three was Bill Hader, two was Will Ferrell, and number one was Eddie Murphy. Wow! So there's a, there's a thing. So you you for sure didn't even have my top two. Yeah. So we'll we'll leave it at that. What do you got for number four, uh, Thomas? Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll put a pin in the Eddie Murphy discussion because he was actually my number two. Okay. He almost literally saved Saturday Night Live from cancellation. Agreed. That was a rough period after Lorne Michaels and the original cast left. Gene Dumanian was the was the producer who took over for Lorne Michaels. She didn't do so well. Probably a lot of different reasons behind the scenes. Let's talk about some of those like Charles Rocket and like Tony Rosado, Robin Duke, like very low level. Yeah, yeah it was uh, Gail Mathias and and some of those cast members and um, not to disparage them, but it was just a rough time yeah. for the show in general. But Dick Ebersol took over and one of his first things was we need to highlight this Eddie Murphy kid. Right. Because he has so much potential. And Eddie Murphy's characters and his presence, honestly, it's not hyperbole to say that he saved Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great call. And you're right about that because if you've studied, obviously the three of us have, like the story of this show is not like, oh, it was just every year it's on. Like there was the like, Lauren left because he wanted to take like a year break. They're like, no, we're still going. Like you said, they brought in this Gene girl and they brought in Ebersol. But those years are bad. And after Martin Short and those guys left, then you got into these other rocky years of like, that was the Robert Downey Jr. and yes. uh, Anthony Michael Hall. People don't realize yeah. those guys were cast members and those, uh, Joan Cusack. Randy Quaid. And it's terrible. Yeah. It, and I came out of it like, oh, Martin Short, and these are great. And this is so funny. And watch this thing. I don't, and you know, you're when you're a kid, if something turns you off, you're done. We go on to something else, man. But they got through those lean years. But like you mentioned, Eddie really was the guy in a lot of ways, the same way that I think the Sandler, the Sandler was a couple years later, like Lovitz and da- Dana Carvey. Yeah. Dana Carvey's got to be the next one that kind of saved it, right? Like in about 87 or so. Yeah. Yeah. That whole cast. Lovitz, Hartman, uh, those guys, Jan Hooks. Yeah, for sure. Nora Dunn. Right, right. Yeah. 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 And actually my number four, yes, but my number four, Dana Carvey. And I don't know if, if we really talked about Dana at length, but like iconic characters, impressions. He was one of the most naturally gifted performers on the show. Like he popped whenever he was on the screen and he was, we mentioned the cast just now. Yeah. Phil Hartman, he was on with John Lovitz and Mike Myers and Dana just popped off the screen and him doing scrolly little characters like George Bush, Ross Perot, Johnny Carson, Church lady, Dude, it goes like, on. iconic. Chopping broccoli, chopping broccoli, chopping broccoli. Hey, you know what? Hey, hey. <laughs> Derek Stevens, that chopping broccoli, and the church lady were in his first episode ever. Oh wow! From day one, that was yeah, that was Dana's first episode on the show. What a debut, right? So Dan, Dan is my number two. I couldn't agree with you more. I think like for me, we mentioned like you know eighty five to eighty nine. Like Dana Carvey was the best. And the funny thing is, and he says on his podcast, his movie career is terrible. Yes. Take out Garth and it's like Turtle Man and all this. Like, it's Master of Disguise. Like, yeah, it's just terrible. And they never found that 
vehicle for him to be the star that he, I remember there was the Dana Carvey show. Yeah. It lasted like two episodes. It was over. Like they said, they just pulled it. Now like there's eight more episodes. No, we pull well, it. when the first sketch of your show is Bill Clinton milking <laughs> babies, like breastfeeding, yes. that might turn off the general populace <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> that was the Dana Carvey show. But you're right, dude. Like you think about him, like everything he did with, with like you mentioned, like the, I, like, I don't think I've ever seen Ross Perot in my life, the real Ross Perot, nor do I ever have to. Because to me, there is no Ross Perot other than Dana Carvey. He's Ross Perot. And same with George Bush. Like, nah, gah, da, nah, gah, da. Like, I don't remember him really saying that. We're from Canada. So, like, he did. But everybody thinks of George Bush as Dana Carvey. <laughs> yeah. And and like you said, in, in Church Lady, and you mentioned all these, like, morbs. You remember Harry the Head Wound? Head Wound Harry? Yeah, yes. you know, or like grumpy old man. Mm-hmm. Like these are like C level oh, Dana yes. Car- Carvey characters that like, fucking, and we liked it, and I mean, it was <laughs> the way it was, and we liked it. My least favorite of all time, Tim Meadows would be begging, begging for a head wound, Harry, or begging for a fucking grumpy old man. Like these are Dana Carvey throwaway gimmicks, you know? Yeah, and like you mentioned, the 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 imitations. One of the all time greatest skits ever, ever, is when Dana plays Mick Jagger. And Mick Jagger plays Keith Richards. Yes. Yes. Dude, I mean, that yeah. is so fucking great. Yep. If you guys haven't seen that watching or listening at home, go Google it. It's the best. Like, it's like so good. I had Dana Carvey on Talk as Jericho. Actually, Dennis Miller got him on. Miller's like, you want Carvey on? I'll get Carvey on for you. <laughs> yeah. That was a good Dennis yeah, Miller. It's amazing. Jeez, I'll give him a call. <laughs> so Dana comes on, never met before. No idea who I was. So gracious, so funny. And I said to him, what's the most obscure imitation that you do? He goes. So uh, one time, uh, uh, Neil Young was the musical guest. You probably remember. They played Rocket in the Free World. Kind of became a hit because of that. And they, so I'm hanging out with them. And, you know, you hang out with the guys for the week. Like they show up, they do this thing. You do a couple of rehearsals. You're hanging out for a bit. And he said Farley was off his rocker, just running around going crazy. And Dana's like, who's that frat kid? He's pretty funny. Like, he did this great Neil Young of like, I can't do it right now. <laughs> who's the frat kid? He's pretty funny. It's like the most obscure <laughs> imitation. But he nailed this Neil Young imitation. I was like, dude, that's the best ever. He's a master. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so where are we officially at though? So I want to hear your number three, Chris, because my number three was Phil Hartman yeah. and we discussed Phil, but you teased a pretty unique, maybe top three. So no, we've already discussed her. My, my number three is Chris, Kristen Wiig. Kristen. Okay. Oh, right. Okay. Once again, I think if you're talking about a true breakout star, Kristen is, is, is one of them. Uh, she was great uh, as the MacGruber girl, and that's where I got to know her. It was on the MacGruber sketch. She actually introduced me to her mom and dad. Oh, wow. Which I thought, was that mean we're supposed to go on a date now? But never happened. <laughs> <laughs> like we said, much like Sherry or Terry or, or Gilda Radner or any of these amazing uh, females that have been on the show, to become the breakout star of the show, uh, Kate McKinnon, as a woman, is never easy. And she she did it. And I think, once again, if you talk about it's not a Siren Live um inspired sketch but her movie bridesmaids might be the funniest uh, movie with an snl alumni in it yeah like it's so great it's so great it really is and then once again it's, it, it holds up and it's it's she's she's you know she's cute she's not gorgeous she's cute she appeals to everybody she's just like a girl next door 
who would be really funny. Yeah. And if you look at her, I, I pointed out in one of our episodes, we did an episode on Kristen Wiig in season two of the SNL Hall of Fame. And what I noticed is she would be a wonderful silent actor. She did a lot of stuff with her body and her facial expressions. There were a couple of sketches that she didn't even have any lines. And just the way she moved her body on screen was just hilarious and great. It was almost like probably not Chaplin or Buster Keaton-esque, but as close as you can get to it. That's something that stood out. No, and I agree with you. She's got really great facials. And I think she's another one of those ones that when, because they had her kind of, she never did Weekend Update, did she? She she did characters on Weekend she would Update, do characters, but yeah. not like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she was kind of just, once again, one of those glue girls this time. Just, you mm-hmm. need something, you put her in there. So, Wig's my number three. Who, do you got, who's your number three? Have we gone through the number threes? Mine was Phil Hartman. Mine's Hater. Gotcha. Now, number two is Dana for me. Will Ferrell. Eddie Murphy. All right. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, Eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Remember when uh, you were in the, the Beatles and... Uh... You did that um, album, Abbey Road, and uh, at the very end of the song, uh, it was a song that goes, uh, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. You remember that? Okay, so let's get to our number one. Mine was Eddie Murphy, so you guys know that already. So Thomas, I don't know, because neither of you guys have mentioned my number one yet, which tells me that probably your number one is the same as mine. I don't know that it is. I think you already mentioned. So my number one's Will Ferrell. Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. So we haven't even mentioned your number one. You haven't mentioned my number one. Yeah. And I think I know, I think I know who yours is, but Will Ferrell, I've done a lot of research and gone back and prep for this podcast. I think Will Ferrell is the greatest of all time. And to me, it's like a no brainer. Let's discuss. Why, why do you say that? Why do you say that? Yeah. He's the greatest combination of quality and quantity. So he was in a ton of sketches, and I think his batting average mm-hmm. was so high relative to the number of sketches that he was in. We had mentioned his breakout characters like the cheerleaders, Celebrity Jeopardy. He was Alex <laughs> Trebek. He was, yeah. He was George W. Bush. That's what he became known on like maybe a national scale in many ways was for George W. Bush. He did Cowbell. He did weird things like the Neil Diamond. If nobody's ever seen... Was it the story Neil Diamond storyteller <laughs> yeah, sketch? Great call. Where he has a very bizarre, odd take on Neil Diamond that almost only Will Ferrell could. Ooh. So it was like Neil Diamond <laughs> telling stories, but it was stories about him like thinking of this, making up this song while he uh, got drunk and killed a drifter, <laughs> kind of things like that. Like, yeah. And he helped save the show too. After a bad season twenty, they were talking rumblings about cancellation, and Will Ferrell came in and. Uh, along with a really good cast in and of itself. But Will Ferrell came in and almost saved the show from disaster. And I just think if if we were able to quantify it with numbers and stats, I think Will Ferrell would come out on top um, almost rather easily, too. So he's my number one. And there's maybe a little gap between Will Ferrell and everybody else on my list. Which is great. And like I said, I think once you get down to these final five or four, it could be pretty much interchangeable. And I, and I agree with you. Yeah. My number one, who I can't believe you guys didn't even put in your top 10, is, is Chris Farley. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To me, like, dude, like to me, from this is what I like. I think Farley was almost a detriment to the show. And I'll tell you the reason why. You couldn't put him as a minor player in anybody else's skit because he's too funny. Like anything you'd give him, like the Pepper Boy. It's hilarious. Adam Sandler, <laughs> yes. Dana Carvey, and there you go. Would you like? Pepper. Why, yes, I would love some fresh ground pepper. And he's like, <laughs> and they start laughing. He has one line. He's got these stupid chops for no reason. Mm -hmm. And like that to me is the epitome of Chris Farley. You, we can't put him in the background. He's too funny. He's too funny. And when you listen to, to Spade and, and, and uh, Carvey's podcast, you can tell. Everyone loved this guy. Obviously, he was off his rocker, and, and, and the, we know about his demise. But on that show, dude, you couldn't lose with him. I can't think of one sketch that wasn't funny with Chris Farley in it. Like, obviously, maybe my all-time favorite sketch is the Chippendales with Patrick Swayze. Yeah. You know, but, you know, he's, like I said, he's he's meatloaf. He's Mama Cass. Like, there's no, he doesn't know who Mama Cass <laughs> yeah. is. Just put a long hippie wing on him, stick him in the corner, and it's funny. Yeah. You know, Dom DeLuise on The Tonight Show where he's got the piss bag and he just starts pissing his pants. <laughs> <laughs> people still quote Matt Foley yeah, exactly. to this day. I see people on Twitter who are like 20 years old quoting a sketch that happened before they were even born, like Van Down by the River. I never thought of that. And even when it's like, okay, okay, the sketch is getting a little bit long in the tooth. We do. Here's me. Here's you. Here's them. Here's me. And he falls to the fucking table. Yeah. That's the case. So the table is like it's made of paper. It's stupid, but it's so funny. And Spade <laughs> and Christina Applegate, they're laughing. Yeah. It's like you can't have this guy on the show. Fucking McCartney, greatest ever. The Chris Farley show. Oh. Hey, Paul. Oh, gosh. Remember when you were in the Beatles? Well, yes, I do, Chris. That was awesome. <laughs> do you know how many interviews I've had? With these poor, and God bless them all. I love them all. But these, I'm like, dude, that was a Chris Farley show. I'm like, the publicist will be like, that was a Chris Farley show. Or my PA will be like, that's a Chris Farley show. Hey, Jericho, you know that time you, you, you fought John Michaels? That was, that was, that was awesome. I'm like, the Chris Farley show. Remember Y2J? Yeah, exactly. Dude, that, that literally. Was, was literally. <laughs> that's so funny. Chris must have totally saw some fan that said that to him. He's sitting with Paul McCartney, like, that, that's another unsung hero of SNL from the musical side. Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So good. Super subtle with everything he does. Very dry. But, man, Chris Farley, to me, like I said, the, the biggest example I can give to you is that Fresh Ground Pepper sketch. And as soon as I said it, you both started laughing. Yeah. Because he wasn't even the star of the show. The O'Hurley boy. For God's sakes, can you please let the boy? And his wigs flying all over the place and... Cindy in the mall. Yeah. Oh, would you like spice? No, I'm hungry. <laughs> yes. yeah. You know, Chris Farley is actually how Jamie and I connected. Yeah. Because Jamie put out a feeler on Reddit uh, seeking a guest for season one of the SNL Hall of Fame. And I responded and said, I would love to talk about Chris Farley. And he had me on as actually a guest on season one yeah. of the SNL Hall of Fame <laughs> talking about Chris Farley. So this is right up my alley. I was the guest 
for season one. But yet you didn't put him on your top 10. I know. He was the toughest cut. And I maybe because I wanted to give, uh, maybe I knew, and part of me knew <laughs> one you. of you guys was going to talk about him, and I wanted to give Will Forte and Vanessa Bear some shine. That's but, a good call, though. I'm glad you did. Right. But I, but I love, love, love Chris Farley, and I love that you had him that high on your list. Me too. There, there's a great, uh, if you listen to the, uh, once again, the Spade and uh, um, Carvey podcast, they did a tribute to Chris Farley because he just passed away, I think it's th- maybe 30 years ago, whatever it was. And they said every, they all had, like, they had Mike Myers on and they had, like, Chris Farley's mom and all these other people. And they used to go to this steakhouse called Barbarians in Toronto. Is Barbarians still there? Yeah. They used to go there all the time. And and Spade tells this great story that Chris, there was a pats of butter that every bite of steak he took, he put a pat of butter on it. Wow. Not on the steak, like every <laughs> bite. And he said, it needs a hat. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. like, it needs, it a needs, a, needs a little hat. And it's like, that's, <laughs> they, they told the story. You could, like, you know, if we ever met Chris Farley, that's something he would do. So I think maybe I've gotten in my own head. Anytime I see Chris Farley on SML, I just start laughing. El Nino. That's oh, Spanish music. for the Nino. Nino. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so uh, just all around genius. But like we said, you can't really go wrong with any of the members that we said. And there's so many others. I mean, like, you know, if you would have said, I mean, Rob Schneider or, or, or you know, a Garrett Morris or, you know, all these types of Lorraine Newman. We didn't, Jane Curtin. We didn't mention any of those eras. The list goes on and on. Billy Crystal was great every time he was on, even though it was only for one season. Uh, Gary Kroger, we mentioned James Belushi, and like there's, there's so many. Tim K- Kazarinski, yeah. Sweet Shock oh, from Police underrated. Academy. Lots yeah. of underrated guys. And I'm just kind of not even thinking of everybody right now, but it was, it's been a great kind of trying to tie down top 10. But let's just, before we go here, let's talk about some of the great bands. Okay. Do you guys have some of the bands that sure? Show? Because yeah. there's a couple for me that that really stand out as, as my all-time favorites. Why don't you start, Jamie? Oh, goodness. Well, I think back to that Neil Young performance, that was definitely transformative for me. Who's the frat kid? He's pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> Whether I was just the right age or not, but it was, he was so rock and roll and so badass. And that was rocking in the free world, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was such a great performance. Even on the Conan O'Brien podcast, he talks about being there when Neil Young performed that and, and, just saying that the writers, everybody was standing watching because it was just so impressive to see it go down. Yeah, yeah. So much energy. I remember that. Like, I think that song might have just come out or maybe it was early on, but that one just really, really resonated, you know? Yeah. Uh, for, I'll throw one here. It's one of my all-time favorite episodes because it has the Jackie Rogers Jr. $100,000 jackpot wad <laughs> on it, which is, to me, my all-time favorite sketch with Christopher Guest and Sammy Davis Jr. Or, sorry, Billy Crystal in blackface playing Sammy Davis Jr. I'm like, you could never do that nowadays. Oh, right. oh my yeah. gosh, yeah. Oh, my he wasn't God. insulting anybody. It was super funny, but just right. you can't do that, right? Different times. It was the time, the mid-80s. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the Kinks were on, and it was the Kinks when they, oh, they wow. put out an album called Word of Mouth. And I remember recording it when I was in grade nine, which is probably, I think it was the Christmas of 84. And I must've watched that, that video over and over again. And I just stumbled onto this archive.com and I found, I've watched this kinks. They play two songs called do it again. Word of mouth from this word of mouth album. I just love it. I don't know why it's just the energy is there. And the fact that the kinks in 84 still were like, cool. Yeah. Like it's like, this shouldn't be cause they're from 64. But I don't remember seeing the Stones on SNL or, or I mean, I've seen McCartney, but it just seemed that the Kinks on SNL was just so mm-hmm. SNL. They're, they're a legendary band. They're not as legendary as these guys, but they're cool enough to be on SNL. I thought that was really cool for me. 
Yeah. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, one that sticks out to me is uh, we actually covered Dave Grohl on season two of the SNL Hall of Fame. And I'm going to specifically say Foo Fighters really come to mind. And there was a specific performance. It was the day that they announced Joe Biden had won the presidency. And but their performance of times like these just sends chills like me talking about it right now. I have chills. It's maybe my favorite performance, musical performance ever on SNL is Foo Fighters doing times like these. It was in November of, of 2020. And Dave Grohl is just so synonymous to me with SNL. He's been on with Nirvana, them Crooked Vultures, Foo Fighters. He's performed with Tom Petty. Dude, they, Tom Petty offered him the drum gig after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you if, uh, people don't know that. Yeah. It's Dave's favorite show. Dave Grohl has a wonderful autobiography. It's great. Uh, but he cites SNL as his favorite show uh, in his autobiography. I'm surprised they have never asked him to host SNL because he's he'd be great. Yeah, at you're right. He really would. I think he would, too. I think he would kill it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and once again, talking about great, uh, a great musical guest who was a great host, Justin Timberlake, talking about Dick in a Box or like uh, bring it on down to Spatulaville or whatever. Yes. Like, great to, <laughs> yeah. do, to do both is not easy and like timberlake was one of those guys i think dave could easily do that it'd be great to see him but yet so many bands that have never been on snl guns and roses have never been metallica might have been once but never like when they were younger it's kind of been more metallica now yeah kiss has never been on like gnr like those type of bands have never been on it's interesting to me kiss is surprising because it's like they almost run the same spectrum right like the like kiss started in 72 or 73. Yes, th th New York in the 70s, there's not a more synonymous New York band than Kiss, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't think Rush was ever on, you know, any <laughs> yeah. of those bands, right? So We actually wanted to give you and the listeners a little preview of, speaking of music, this is going to tie in a little preview of something that we do on the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Oh, yes. If you want to be a contestant, Chris, in a game that we play on the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. What's the game? So it's Two Truths and a Lie. For, for us today, it's SNL Rock and Wrestling Edition of Two Truths and a Lie. <laughs> Are we playing it now or playing it on your show? Let's, let's do it now. Oh, now? Okay. Yeah. I was hoping it would be the Jamie Do $100,000 jackpot wad, in which case <laughs> okay. I'm going to play for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to name. Uh, it's going to be real quick. I'm going to say three statements, one of which is a lie. So you have to spot the lie. Okay. The first statement. The Commodores were a musical guest when a wrestler hosted SNL. The replacements were a musical guest when a wrestler hosted SNL. And ACDC was a musical guest when a wrestler hosted SNL. So which one of those is the lie? That's so easy. It was ACDC, man. Well, is that the lie? Oh, sorry. Which one's the lie? Yes. Sorry. Uh, no, the Commodores is a lie. And uh, what's the other one you said? The replacements. Replacements. That's a lie. Yeah, it was ACDC. Okay, so, so the replacements was the lie. So they're pretty infamous with SNL, but um, actually the Commodores were a musical guest when Hulk Hogan and Mr. T oh. hosted SNL. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that was an interesting pairing, the Commodores. And then you're right, because you, I'm sure you remember this, ACDC was the musical guest when who hosted? The Rock. And, yeah. and that's when Vince McMahon said, live from New York. And I was in the company. I was so angry that I wasn't invited to that because Big she Show had was a great. Yes, yeah, so it was Big Show, Triple H and McFoley were on yeah. there. So what was the did you guys talk about that? Like in the locker room amongst the boys, like the rock hosting SNL? Like I just remember it was a big deal. And I'm, to me, it was like just as cool because I'm an ACDC fanatic. And I think that might be the only time ACDC's ever been on as well. I think so. But I was like, you know me, dude, that's the same reason why they asked me to do McGruber. And I said, only if I get lines. Like I was pissed that I wasn't on. Yeah. Because the original thing, this is a long story that we can go into another whole podcast, but the original plan was 
for that WrestleMania was Triple H, Big Show, Rock, and Jericho with the McMahon in every corner. And there's even a billboard on Sunset Boulevard with that dynamic. And then Vince pulled me and put McFoley in. So it's like I was should should have been on Saturday. <laughs> what could have been? I had to go double check to see if you weren't on. Honestly, because I was like, I don't think he was, but I had to go double no, check. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and another good one was that that SNL with Mr. T and Hulk is another classic where they actually did "We Are the World," talking about like bodyguards. It was like, it's like uh, I remember like uh, Billy Crystal was Prince. That's right. One of those chicks was Sydney Lopper. It might have been uh, Pamela Stevenson or somebody of that ilk. Mm-hmm. James Belushi was Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a great. <laughs> Great, great. And they did the great Fernando's hideaway. Yes, and he's got Billy the Crystal. He's got the the workout bar. Yeah. That was great promotion for the first WrestleMania. That's why they were on. Yeah, they were headlining. That's right. Once again, there's always been the connection with Vince and Lauren mm-hmm. since that WrestleMania. You know what I mean? So Yeah, definitely. I guess it's just a New York thing, like another New York thing. Like, dude, I mean, obviously, like we said, Lauren in New York and Vince in New York, tell me they didn't see each other around. Yeah. And both are probably like, oh, you, you got this SNL thing. You got this WWF thing. Oh, tell me more about it. Yeah, we sold it at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, we did, you know, 10 million views on a Saturday night. And here's the other thing. If you remember during the Eversol time, I think it was every six weeks, five Saturdays would be SNL. And then one Saturday would be Saturday's main event. That's right. Main event. Yep. That was all Eversol. And that's Vince. And that's, you know what I mean? So there's always that connection where where SNL took a sidestep so that WWF could come in. Yeah, it just made sense that Vince and Lauren would find a way, or Dick Ebersol too, in the mid-80s, would find a way to work together. That's amazing, yeah. Mm -hmm. We could do another whole show, another bunch of shows. This has been great. Absolutely, yeah. I love the top 10 list, so we have to come up with another, maybe top 10 sketches or top 10 hosts, maybe, something along those lines. Yeah, would love to. Great talking to you guys, and uh, Chris Farley is the greatest ever. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for doing this. This is great. Thank you.